Somewhere in between the fields of neurology and neurosurgery, we find physicians using less invasive techniques to perform procedures that could be classified as endovascular neurosurgery or interventional neuroradiology or more plainly as neurology practiced through catheters. How has this area of practice evolved in recent years? And what's in store for the future of this discipline, blending expertise across multiple specialties? You are listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. John Wapham, a neurointerventionalist and an assistant professor in the departments of neurology and neurological surgery at the Loyola University Chicago Stritch School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Wapham. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Dr. Wapham, your academic position in neurology and neurosurgery already gives us some insight into how your role transcends these two departments. Could you tell us a little bit about your current role and how it covers neurology and neurosurgery? Uh, interestingly enough, Loyola has been very creative in putting together a multidisciplinary care line uh, here as regards to the neurovascular specialties. We work in very collaborative fashion with uh, multiple disciplines, as is the case in many places that do this kind of work today. My position straddles both departments to facilitate both the medical management and surgical management of our patient groups in the care line that I help direct here. That's been an absolutely pivotal thing in, as far as developing a program and providing the most aggressive both medical and surgical therapy for this emerging specialty here at Loyola. And I, th I think if you look around the country, you'll see more and more centers approaching minimally invasive endovascular neurosurgical techniques in this fashion. Now, why haven't the neurosurgeons embraced this? Or are you just one of the few neurologists who have decided to take this on? The answer to your question is a couplefold. Number one, you know, the specialty in and of itself has only really evolved over the last 10 years or so or more. So uh, traditionally, you would not see general neurologists out there practicing, trained in these specialties. It's only been over the last five to 10 years that training programs have surfaced and different generations of folks that do this kind of work have evolved in order to train sort of the next generation. Particularly with regard to neurology, it's been a very traditional field. And I think the whole scope of neurology has changed even in the last five years since, since I did my training and, and was a resident. What's interesting as well is a lot of neurosurgical communities are evolving to meet the new technique in that most of the Neurosurgeons trained within the last 15 to 20 years were trained in a fashion that, where this technology was not even in existence yet. And so what we're finding now is a push, uh, as you said, for younger neurosurgical trainees in their programs to adapt and adopt to this type of technology as a part of their core training program. And I think what you'll see in the next 10 years is endovascular techniques and a lot of minimally invasive techniques that are currently practiced by interventional radiologists, uh, some emerging neurology interventionalists like myself, uh, as well as you'll see begin to do this procedure, neurosurgeons that had as part of their core curriculum this kind of training uh, in their residencies and fellowships. Well, let's talk about the disease processes and the technology that you're utilizing. What kind of things are you dealing with? Our biggest enemies in treatment, minimally invasively, uh, typically are stroke. We know each year in uh, America we suffer anywhere from 750 to 800,000 strokes a year, and of that group, uh, approximately, you know, 15% or under are going to be hemorrhagic and non-ischemic. And of that group, a smaller segment, 7 to 8% of those are going to be ruptures of an intracranial aneurysm or a vascular malformation or a so-called subarachnoid hemorrhage. And so we target this group particularly uh, as well. That larger group with ischemic stroke or stroke from occlusion of a blood vessel is a huge population that we are currently 
trying to better and better treat in a more timely fashion that mimics many of the uh, interventional programs that have now become very commonplace in the cardiac world. And so those are our two main target groups. And uh, really these days we consider ourselves, if you will, brain plumbers. We're actually, (laughs) our goal is to treat and emergently diagnose and and triage to treatment those with a occlusion or a narrowing or a leak of any of the pipes in the neck and head that we can target and try to limit morbidity and mortality from in as timely a fashion as good cardiology services do today in many of the cardiac specialties. Now, are you doing this personally yourself, or do you do it with an interventional neuroradiologist? It varies from institution to institution. Myself, at the moment, I'm alone here at Loyola as the single neurointerventionalist or endovascular person. Many institutions will have a team of those individuals that cover in a 24-7 fashion. At the moment, I'm doing that alone as we evolve our program here. We will eventually have a second interventionalist where I'm at, and we currently engage uh, the neurology department and the neurosurgery department in their entirety, working together to both medically and surgically manage these patients. It's an institutional process at any of the good institutions that do this. I came from a program in Michigan that treated a good variety of these illnesses over a huge expanse of the state of Michigan, where we use helicopters and telemedical robots to cover as many as 40 hospitals at one time for this kind of a service involving multiple specialties and multiple people. And where I had come from, we were a collaboration of one neurologist, myself, a neurosurgeon, and an interventional radiologist that worked together to accomplish the goal of providing this kind of care in a timely fashion. We hope to evolve into something similar here at Loyola using the multiple specialties we've got in multiple expertise areas in neurology and neurosurgery shortly. Generally speaking, exclusive of your institution, what do neurosurgeons think about what you're doing, uh, let's say, in the United States? The opinion is kind of split. Interestingly enough, many folks that see the technology emerging and realize that we can treat you know, perhaps 90, 95% of intracranial aneurysms in a minimally invasive fashion these days with the technology getting better each and every month to treat more and more difficult aneurysms in this fashion. We see a huge interest by the traditional neurosurgical community in one, either teaching the next generation of neurosurgeons these techniques or uh, retraining in some fashion to go back and add to their repertoire of traditional skull base and vascular neurosurgery, minimally invasive techniques. And so I think you see a mix of both. There's a bit of skepticism on the part of the community in neurology and neurosurgery to embrace this newer technology and some of this minimally invasive technique simply because it was not commonplace during their training and they don't have a lot of experience treating these patients in this fashion. And part of it is just kind of a complacence to the change in technology that you saw in the late 60s, early 70s with the advent of some of the really aggressive cardiac therapy that now we consider very normal and very commonplace in every day. And I think you'll see that evolve over the next 10 to 15 years, what we do will be considered very commonplace and and the norm, I think, at most aggressive stroke and vascular centers across America. It's just the infancy of this kind of technology. And as you see, it's especially sort of evolving by the month and uh, kind of coming into its own at the moment. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. John Wappam, a neurointerventionalist and an assistant professor in the Departments of Neurology and Neurological Surgery at the Loyola University Chicago Stritch School of Medicine. We're discussing less invasive forms of neurosurgery that are increasingly performed by neurologists. Doctor, explain to us, is there any kind of a turf war that's going on at all between uh, all the different specialties, and not certainly at your institution, but at other institutions that might try to adopt this uh, type of technology? 
Uh, oh, absolutely. We're privileged here at Loyola to have a very collegial working relationship among the three departments, radiology and neurosurgery and neurology. But at many institutions, this is a bit of a turf war, as you can imagine. And the opinion varies as to who's best able to treat and, and diagnose these illnesses and provide the uh, non-invasive therapy for these kinds of diseases. You know, folks sometimes tend to be the opinion that a neurosurgeon is the best trained to be able to manipulate objects in intracranial vasculature and provide for the potential side effects and complications as they're able to do open surgery, perhaps if there were a complication from the procedure. There are those, including myself, that believe neurology in the emerging field of neurointensive care and stroke provides a fresh perspective, especially with many folks like myself coming from backgrounds that are perineurosurgical and involve a good bit of medical intensive care and critical care that believe we bring the medical care of these patients to a different level than it had previously been even among the surgical specialties. So I think the opinion varies. There are a number of very, very talented uh, neuroradiologists that are, are very talented proceduralists that do this. And having been uh, in the forefront of interventional neuroradiology for decades, uh, a lot of them feel that they blaze the trail for, for many of the neurointerventions uh, that we now do uh, commonly. And in, in fact, in many ways, that's the case. A lot of the early history of these procedures came from the interventional radiology world. So I think we owe a debt to them and everybody kind of brings something to the table. So what I hope to see and what's currently uh, taking place at many institutions are training programs that involve those three specialties. And uh, I think the most reasonable approach uh, tends to be a, a meeting of the minds and a collegial collaborative approach among those three specialties. They really each add something to the picture. And I think, to be honest, given the demographics of the disease process and the current raging emergency, particularly with regard to ischemic stroke and its emergent therapy that is not commonplace yet in America the way uh, cardiac ischemia is. I, I think there's a lot of room in the field for everybody. Are there other disease processes uh, that you haven't spoken about that you use this technique? And where do you draw the line in terms of your limitations with respect to neurosurgical intervention? We basically target any vascular lesion that we believe we can safely minimize risk to the patient without in weighing risk versus benefit of the procedure. We would, in other words, never bring a patient to a procedure uh, that we felt encompassed more risk than the natural disease process, and that's always what we try to look at with these procedures. We target a host of uh, vascular pathologies in the head and neck that include AV malformations that we can now target with non-invasive therapies and techniques for embolization. We target uh, increasingly complex intracranial and carotid aneurysms that are extracranial uh, with newer stent technologies that allow us to approach wider necked and even fusiform aneurysms that traditionally would be uh, surgical only or not uh, amenable to treatment at all. We do many um, cosmetic facial lesions now that are, are more cosmetic than functional or, or life-threatening. Uh, we do a host of interventions uh, now with collaboration of our surgical partners as stage procedures for example, tumors that are later to be resected in the head or neck or even in the brain themselves, and in many cases are taken for a preoperative embolization where we will target vessels that perhaps could provide a significant risk of bleeding during surgery to target and embolize prior to a planned stage surgeries, and so we find an increasing demand for that. We do a host of procedures that revolve around stroke and revascularization, and increasingly we find the need for increasing work doing uh, angioplasty and intracranial stenting, a hotly debated topic that's currently in the process of being studied at the national and international level for safety and long-term outlook uh, of these patients uh, with uh, a trial called the uh, SAMPRS trial, that uh, results of which will be out shortly to provide uh, an impetus for folks to uh, be a little more aggressive, I think, with regard to intracranial disease stenosis and, and potential therapy for that. 
Now, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners uh, are curious, as certainly I am. You mentioned that uh, some of the disease processes that you deal with are cosmetic. What were you referring to there? We find that a lot of our procedures are well tolerated as they're short, uh, they're minimally invasive, and uh, traditionally uh, we were any, unable to access some of the smaller vessels in the face and scalp or things like port wine stains and facial angiomas and venous angiomas that we can actually now target uh, with uh, what we call sclerotherapy where we're able with small caliber uh, needles to actually target small facial hemangiomas and venous angiomas and actually deliver alcohol and different sclerosing agents to those areas. Uh, in order to change the uh, cosmesis of some of the skin on the face or scalp in many cases and provide people a little better result than traditional surgery without uh, invasive surgery. Now, generally speaking, um, if you look at all institutions in the United States, certainly your institution is unique in the way you get along with the interventional radiologists and the neurosurgeons. If you would look at most places, who is doing these type of procedures? Is it uh, the interventional radiologists, the neurosurgeons, or is it people like yourself? Uh, at the moment, it, it's, it's becoming an increasing mix between uh, radiologists who have traditionally been involved in neurointervention or, or traditional interventional radiology with additional neurofellowships or training and younger, newer generation of neurologists that grew up in a culture of uh, aggressive stroke uh, therapy and training and, and adjuvant medical care like neurointensive care that uh, each year are produced in fellowship programs that are becoming uh, more legitimate in, in the uh, eyes of the American Academy of Neurology each year, and I think the field is largely beginning to be populated by a very select group of folks with uh, multiple years of fellowship training that encompass both surgical and medical specialties. At the moment, there's a bit of a lag in the neurosurgical community in that the training is so long that people finish and need to work and, and begin their uh, work careers and are hesitant many times to go back and re-embark on additional fellowship training to learn additional uh, specialties that they can add to their repertoire. As I said, I think what you'll see very shortly, and at least in our program already, we are beginning to train young uh, neurosurgery residents and fellows in interventional techniques so that when they graduate, they will have uh, the broadest bag of tricks to use in their interventional procedures and open surgical procedures and have the best breadth of experience from which to draw when they go into the operating room. And uh, I think you'll see a slight resurgence in uh, more of the neurosurgical community doing these procedures as they transition to uh, a little more open-minded uh, approach to interventional therapy, and it becomes part of a core curriculum for, for neurosurgical students and trainees and residents across America and in other countries. We have been talking with Dr. John Wapham about less invasive forms of neurosurgery that are now increasingly performed by neurologists. Dr. Wapham, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. It's been nice being with you. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.